name is Mac, and thank you for checking into the home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where a friend guest and I talk about our uh, friend slash guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Christina, my pronouns are she, her, and... I am the usual host of this podcast, but because this is the hundredth episode of Wayward, I gave I gave listeners on Twitter the chance to decide what we were gonna do, and y'all picked me talking about an OC. So uh Mac very kindly agreed to guest host. <laughs> she is the friend invited to talk about her OC. I am. I am indeed. Um But yeah. Oh, in case you don't know, I'm Mac. Uh, I've been on Wayward OCs twice. Uh, I think mm-hmm. maybe three times. Twice, twice. Yes, Sheena and then and then uh, Clara. And uh, I'm no, four actually time, or three times. Um, uh, writer of Green Gwyneth. Yes, Saliana. Yes, Saliana. Uh, and I also am a host over at the Crooked Russian Cam podcast with like the Jim Jammer and uh, and I will fight you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We'll go over that more later. And date me, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and date me, damn it. Uh, anyway, tell us about... Introduce your OC to us, Christina. Yeah, so uh, the OC that I'm going to talk about today is the recently orphaned Fiala Winyewe, who is my my wood elf nature cleric that I played in a one-shot slash two-shot, and then played in two cam- two separate campaigns, both of which ended abruptly <laughs> and are likely not going to be resumed ever again. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to tell us a little about those two different campaigns? Were they the yeah. same? Were they similar? Yeah, and I actually have a bunch of notes and stuff. Cause oh, I- sweet! <laughs> For listeners who have not played tabletop games with me before... In most situations, I am a comprehensive note taker. <laughs> and so before we got on the call, I was going back through <laughs> my notes that I've taken. Um, so I guess I guess it probably should... This is going to start in bringing up one of the more popular D&D games. Um, I, so back in 2016, 2017... I had a lot of spare time on my hands while I was job searching. And so in the meantime, I got interested in uh, Critical Role. Uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with Critical Role... Somehow? Um, yeah, somehow. If you're not into tabletop games, it's understandable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is a group of professional voice actors who were playing a home game of D&D and then decided to start live streaming it. So they've used D&D 5e since they started. Um, I I was watching during the first campaign. They're now on their third campaign. (laughs) Um, And while I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, there's characters that are cool. Like, I think think Keyleth is cool. Keyleth is a half-elf druid, but is also associated with the uh, goddess Melora, who is a goddess of nature in the wilderness, that kind of a thing. Um, and relatedly, I also was listening to the balance arc of the Adventure Zone, where there is also a cleric named Merle Highchurch, uh, Hightower? 
Uh, High Church, Church. I think is right. Yeah. High Church, yeah. Okay. Um, who is also a nature cleric, but he follows uh, Pan. So, like, the Greek god Pan. Um, and I I was interested enough in D&D at, at that point that I actually played for the first time in 2017. Like, did, a did like, a drop-in game at a con. Um, but in... I think it was September or early October of 2017, uh, the Critical Role fandom decided that they wanted to do something called Taldore Day, which was basically like a like a day of events to commemorate. I think it was the releasing of the Critical Role campaign guide for their, at least for their first campaign, and it was like being released as official content from Wizards yeah. of the Coast. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I, I kind and, of had known that they'd released, like, uh, original stuff, but I wasn't involved with mm-hmm. Crit Roll until... Like I, I, like, I knew about it, obviously, but I always kind of watched it from a mm-hmm. distance. Yeah. Yeah, and now most of how I'm... <laughs> most of how I know about Critical Role now is from hearing about it from... I think Tanner is trying to watch live. Um, <laughs> but anyway... So the fandom was like, hey, let's get a whole bunch of like one shots together using this universe and the setting, that kind of a thing. And uh, my friend Alyssa and I ended up joining a one shot run by someone whose username I no longer remember on Twitter. <laughs> um, I've but, been there. Yeah. Um, but that was the, that was my first time ever making my own like custom D&D character. And so I made Fiala. For the one shot, we were actually like playing at level fifteen, Ooh. which is the highest that Fiala has ever been and possibly <laughs> ever will be. <laughs> um, but I built her from the ground up. Um, this is where I like established her backstory with like, oh yeah, she was a she lived in the woods with her family on a farm. Um, dead parents trope found her divine calling when adventuring. That kind of a thing. Um, I also... Her... Like, the core elements of her background and also, like, her appearance have been pretty much the same since the beginning with a couple of minor changes depending on each campaign. Um, so she has she has red hair. Um, and she is tall, has freckles. Uh, starts, out, starts out campaigns very skinny. <laughs> Because when you're a subsistence farmer, um, yeah. not always a lot of not always a lot of spare food to put weight on your bones. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and so we played the one shot. I couldn't tell you what happened. It was coming up on five years ago. <laughs> um, but this got me interested in playing D and D, and I had recently moved at that point, and so. It took me a couple of months, but I ended up finding a finding the first campaign that I played with Fiala in. Um, it was made up actually of uh, friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. <laughs> and there were six players in the DM. Oh, <laughs> and uh, anyone who's run a tabletop game knows that that is almost unmanageable of a party size yeah. like i've i've like that is uh, that is a lot that's my thursday night group and it's like i'm i'm doing mm. my best guys yeah because uh, as someone who has run games before like 
I I have I had a hard time handling running five people. <laughs> yeah, like four um, is kind of like my nice little medium point where there's like enough where everybody can interact, but not too mm-hmm. many. Yeah. <laughs> um. Briefly, I'm gonna mention the other player characters. Um. There was a wizard, a bard, a rogue, a fighter whose player was married to the DM. Well, is married to the DM. They're still married. Um, and a druid, uh, whose player later retired him and switched to playing a paladin instead. So, like, we got a pretty even spread as far as, like, party composition goes. And also, we were playing in person, because it started in 2018. Yeah. For the before times. Yes. Well, it was either 2018 or 2019. It might have been 2019. Yeah. Um, so, this is where I, like came up with more of Fiala's backstory, which was basically, like, her her immediate family had been killed by marauders, and she'd worked her farm until she received an unspecified divine calling, (laughs) because apparently, because I like the idea of, like, I have divine powers, and I, and, like, I know there is a god who is giving me these powers, but I have no idea who they are. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, I ended up, uh, like, I guess, just getting Fiala a discernment after the first, like, storyline in this campaign, which is basically, like, she found someone in town who had a book on Melora, and she's like, oh, hey, this fits. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, also, I should mention, when it comes to playing Fiala, um, if I'm over voice especially, uh, I like to kind of give Fiala an Appalachian accent. Um, <laughs> I did, in fact, study on how to do a good Appalachian accent. Um, it was a lot of times listening to accent tags on YouTube and then uh, downloading the MP3s and putting them on my iPad so that I could <laughs> listen to them and practice the accent. <laughs> um, also because I'm of the belief that if you're coming up with a character, it's a good idea to have a good accent that you can easily slip into because it helps to characterize your yes. character. So um, it also helps so people know when you're in character and when you're out of character. Yes, it's harder to it's harder to like come across when you're playing text based, but that's why you have yeah. uh, multiple channels <laughs> yeah. on a server. <laughs> um, as far as this first campaign, we didn't like have a name for our party really. Like, we tossed around some ideas and stuff, but we didn't, like, have a name for it. So I just referred to it as the Ochre's campaign, because that's where we started. Yeah. So this Ochre's campaign uh, started with running the Sunless Citadel adventure. And I have a complicated relationship with, with like, pre-written adventures when it comes to D&D, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, we basically followed the plot of the Sunless Citadel um, pretty well. We were in Oakhurst, and we were recruited to find some guards who had gone missing after the people of Oakhurst tried and failed to plant a magical apple to grow a magical healing apple tree. So we pursued the guards to the actual Sunless Citadel, which is a ruined castle that's kind of like subterranean. We met the kobolds, who were the I, I guess who were, like, the people who lived there. Um, <laughs> we got... We met Meepo the Kobold, who was our guide, and the party immediately adopted him because, look, his name's Meepo. How could you not? <laughs> yeah, how could you not ad- adopt anybody named Meepo? 
Mm-hmm. Um, we went through all the dungeons and stuff. I think we... I feel like we almost 100%ed the dungeon of the Sunless Citadel itself. <laughs> like, we found the room with the elemental puzzles that got us amulets of protection, which was very nice to have an AC Ooh. increase. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we ended up finding the Tree of Golfias in the basement of the Sunless Citadel. And this tree was basically, like, an extremely powerful source of magic, and you have to make it by burying or planting the stake that you used to kill a vampire in a very specific magical place. Um, and also it's like powerful enough that if you channel its power, you could destroy the surface world. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the party defeated the evil druid who was trying to grow it. And we destroyed the tree. Um, when we got back up to the surface... Uh, into Oakhurst, we decided that we were going to go to the city of Water Shallow. Not Water Deep, Water Shallow. <laughs> um, because we were like, we want to have, we, we need to find more quests and stuff, and there's not a lot to do in Oakhurst. <laughs> yeah. Which there's not. Um, on And we decided to uh, serve as caravan guards to get to Water Shallow. And then this is where some of my problems with this campaign first began, because while we were on the road, we got attacked by bandits. Yeah. We were in a forest, and our fighter uh, very brutally and graphically uh, killed one of the bandits. I won't say how, because Wayward is an all-ages podcast. Yeah. Um, but it, it was brutal enough that I was like, our levels of acceptable violence are clearly different. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and these bandits also, uh, started a forest fire out of revenge, I guess. We took out all the bandits and no one else was paying attention to the forest fire. Uh, so oh. through judicious use of create and destroy water, uh, Fiala was able to extinguish it. Yeah. And she put out this forest fire so well that Smokey the Bear appeared in our D&D game, what? thanked Fiala for her hard work, and gave her a magical route that she could use to summon him in a time of need. <laughs> <laughs> and this is... At this point, this is where, like, two things really were happening. Like, first off was that I was noticing the discrepancy in, like, levels of acceptable violence, yeah. and also levels like how much the other players were engaged yeah when it came to like how the game was going um and i think it was about the time when one of when our player with the bard had to move and was actually replaced by another player who also played a bard <laughs> so the stasis was uh was maintained um when one, uh, you know, you know the old saying: when one bard leaves, another bard enters. <laughs> um, I guess so. I'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> um, when when we got to Water Shallow, which again, not Water Deep, Water Shallow, <laughs> um, the party was immediately recruited to help solve a murder mystery because, as I suspect, in a similar way to Water Deep. 
Uh, there were seven ruling merchants of the city, like, they weren't the ones, like, who were the rulers on paper, but they had all of the power, all the resources, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And one of them had been killed. Another one was accused of murdering the victim. So we agreed to take on this, uh, this job. Yeah. Uh, we found out at the beginning that our client was a vampire. <laughs> I think he was, like, a halfling vampire or something. Yeah. Um, but, like, he wasn't, like, a... He, he very specifically was, like, not a mass murderer. Yeah. Which is great. Um, we ended up going around the city, doing a whole bunch of investigating. Um, we had a couple of combat encounters with... I'm gonna call them, like, fledgling vampires. Yeah. Um, of the some kind spawn, that... I think is what they're called. Yeah. Yeah, so we fought a couple of those, um kept some people safe we found out through various investigations that the culprit was not our client but was in fact a vampire hunter who had stolen the plans for it like a mechanical like a mechanical drain that he used to simulate being exsanguinated yeah (laughs) to kill the victim um we pursued him to this weird demiplane that he was in and while we were there our client the vampire was abducted by the vampire hunter um and was gonna go try to make another tree of Golthias (laughs) um and once we got back to like the the material plane I guess um this was when the the druids player decided that he wanted to switch characters so that's why uh, the paladin, we, right? Yeah, yeah. So he picked up the paladin instead. Um, we then did a little like subquest of like <laughs> like like an employment assessment for the two new player characters, um, and it was like to this. It basically it was rescuing the Smurfs from Gargamel's castle. <laughs> like it, there were a bunch of elves. No, they were halflings. It was a bunch of halflings that were in this weird demiplane inside a jewel. And we had to rescue their the rest of the townsfolk from this giant stone castle. Um, where Fiala got to do a really cool spirit guardians and destroyed like four gargoyles at once, which was great. Awesome. Um and then sufficiently having tested and accepted the two new player characters, we were gonna go to this magical wizard's tower that also served as a bar to try and pick up some new uh, quests and stuff. But then it was March 2020. (laughs) Ah, that time. And one of our players uh, was immunocompromised. (laughs) Yeah. And out of a surplus of caution, we decided that we were going to switch to playing online. And so we did a couple of sessions, I think exclusively through Zoom, like not even roll 20 or foundry or anything yeah um but then the dm decided that he was or but then the dm announced that he couldn't get invested in running a game that was exclusively online yeah without any discussion at least with the group at large including me prior to this announcement and he put the campaign on an indefinite hiatus, and I don't talk to all of them anymore. I talk to some of them, but not all of them. Yeah. 
2020 is that to a lot of games. Yeah. In thinking back on it, like, I think it was probably for the best that that campaign ended when it did, because as will also sometimes happen, um, and as I'm going to talk about later, uh, Fiala ended up really kind of being like the moral leash (laughs) when it comes to, when it came to this party. Um, Part of it, I think, was a difference of priority between the other players and myself, because, like, they were very much murder tourists. Like, their favorite video games were Fallout, uh, Fallout New Vegas and Skyrim, where, you know, like, there's... There might be a morality meter, but it basically affects, like, who you get to ally with. And, you know, there's no consequences for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and where, like, the morality is mostly, did you murder this whole town? No? Well, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, there was one time when an NPC, who was also a vampire, but not the one that, but not the one who was our client. Yeah. We were walking through the city and they just, I think they murdered someone who was, they, they murdered a, a fellow citizen in the street and Fiala and the rogue were the only ones who tried to help the person who was dying. Um, and, and yeah. also like Fiala didn't really get to do a whole lot like personal development or character wise, like, yeah. She was a cleric of Melora, but I don't remember a single, like, divine message or calling or anything that the DM included in this campaign. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Like, you're so- um, Yeah. Sorry. As, as, a, mm-hmm. as someone who DMs a lot, it's just, like, you're supposed to pay attention to, like, your character stuff and see stuff in that matters to them. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, I, I felt that I was getting... I felt that I was being rewarded more often than some of the other players for like participating in the story, yeah, and, like and role players, like putting yeah. out, yeah, like putting out the forest fire. I got a, I, I got a, the ability to summon Smokey the Bear, <laughs> like interacting with NPCs. Like I got rewarded for interacting with NPCs, yeah. but no one else was as invested or as willing to engage as I was. Yeah, <laughs> so. That campaign ended, and then I spent probably, like, six months trying to find another campaign, um, and I ended up finding another, a second campaign exclusively online, um, through a local, uh, Facebook group for our friendly tabletop, uh, game store. Yeah. This campaign had five players and one DM. That's five players, including me. Yeah. Um, so... More manageable of a party size. Um, the uh, other characters were a ranger, an artificer, a monk, and a paladin. And the only two women at the table were the paladin and I. <laughs> um, which will come up later. Yeah. Um, I know more of this one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I've... I, I have talked and vented about this campaign in the last couple of years <laughs> um a lot to like mac and annie and tanner um so i know this is this is gonna be you're gonna be hearing this all again mac no, but I'm, please I'm roll okay. with it <laughs> i'm okay with that um this is where i made a couple of small adjustments to fiala's backstory um basically that uh 
Actually, this is where I added the Appalachian accent. Um, oh, uh, did you not have an accent first round? No, I didn't. Oh. Um, mostly because, like, I, I might have tried to do a little bit of an accent, but it wasn't, it wasn't as concrete as this second campaign's yeah. accent was. <laughs> so for her backstory, I added that, again, family's dead, same thing as before, um, but this time... Fiala remembers that it was due to some kind of marauding group with some kind of a red banner. Um, and also that she'd been hidden from... She'd been hidden uh, for her safety by some kind of a forester who I personally intended to have be Melora in disguise rescuing one of her faithful, but I left it unspecified so that the DM could do with that what he would. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we started this campaign at level three, so I kind of just retconned the whole Oakhurst campaign to be what Fiala did between levels one and three. Yeah. Um, and this is also the campaign where we started doing like pre-game character setup. Like, how did our characters meet beforehand? Uh, and the uh, the ranger and bunk and artificer met while uh, hunting a hag on behalf of a local settlement. And the paladin uh, met Fiala because uh, the paladin pulled an Archangel Raphael and Tobias uh, on Fiala. <laughs> so, like, Fiala was traveling on the road and this Azamar paladin appeared from out of the sky in front of her and said, Hello, I am here to help you, uh, to help you and another group of people that we need to find uh, save this world from a great calamity. And Fiala's like, Wow! <laughs> Like, I think I have, I think I drew it and was going to send it to you. <laughs> I also like to draw things from the campaign if I have time during a session. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> thank you. So the first campaign didn't have like a specific setting that we were in, but the second campaign was specifically in Forgotten Realms. So the party uh, met up in this little city or this little town and ended up joining forces because they were holding their annual uh, Midsummer Festival, which was called The Gauntlet and was basically a series of challenges. And whichever team wins the most challenges wins the gauntlet and, you know, like a like prize money and stuff. <laughs> um, so we ended up joining together. Uh, and we did three challenges. Uh, there was a parkour race around the town, like across the rooftops and everything. <laughs> um, we had a we had a pit battle against a bunch of uh, like beasts that they shipped in and stuff. Like I think there was an owl bear, but also a polar bear. <laughs> and then things really started popping off with the third event we did, which was a joust. Um, this was a multi-part thing where we had to uh, we had to go out into the wilderness and find our own mounts oh, to use. Like we had to find two to use in the competition, yeah, um, and then ride them in a tourney, um, and you know whoever stays horsed for the longest wins. <laughs> um, so being a nature cleric, Fiala volunteered to go uh, help find mounts to use. Yeah. And, like, I should mention that we were given some descriptions of what bounce there would be available. Like, there were, you know, horses. Um, there was a warg. 
there was a camel. Oh. And also, there was a giant elk, a tiger, and a unicorn. This will come back later. So Fiala first decided to do some meditating, like, maybe if I pray to Melora, she'll help me find the mounts within the established amount of time. <laughs> um, and she got a vision of seven candles and some of them being blown out. Um, never got a, never got an understanding of what that was supposed to be huh. about. <laughs> um, so she had a vision, and then she went out to try to find... Um, mounts to use. I think she found she raided into the tiger but the tiger didn't want to talk to her but speak with animals <laughs> and I think there was a giant ram but it wasn't that smart and didn't <laughs> respond when she tried to recruit its help <laughs> and she was about to give up when she walked into a clearing and found the unicorn <laughs> um, and she went up and tried to like talk to the unicorn and apparently this this unicorn had telepathy because in talking uh Fiala agreed to help or the unicorn agreed to help Fiala and her party uh who were called the Amen because <laughs> Amen which apparently is a joke from I think either Dimension 20 or another D&D YouTuber person <laughs> um but uh, the unicorn agreed to help Fiala and Amen with the joust on the condition that they try, that they free her and the elk and the tiger from captivity when the joust and the gauntlet was over. <laughs> because apparently they'd just been, they, they just kept these, these, these mounts in captivity during the other 11 months of the year <laughs> when the festival was not happening. <laughs> That makes sense and, why they would want the help with it. Yeah, and Fiala was like, this This is a sapient creature. I will not let them be enslaved. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also Fiala was like, oh yeah, like, what Like, what do you want me to call you? Because, like, if you can ask someone yeah. how, how they want to be called, you should ask. Yes. And the unicorn said, oh, well, they all call me Cupcake. And I was like, they, they all call you Cupcake? <laughs> like, how, like... If that's what they call you, that sounds like you have a different name that you prefer to be called. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, my name... Well, then you can call me Miss Larissa. <laughs> and so Fiala ended up going to find the big elk again. And this time, with Larissa's help, the elk agreed to come with them. And so, <laughs> so Fiala rode out of the forest on a unicorn leading a giant elk. <laughs> Which went over about as well as you thought it would. <laughs> um, we did the joust. It was fine. I, I won, which was great. Excellent. And then we went to, we were able to free um, at least the elk and, and Larissa by causing a distraction. Um, but then the organizers of the tournament arrested the party. Oh no. Because, uh, because the... At least the unicorn and elk and tiger were property of the crown. Oh no. And we had to, uh, and we got taken to, uh, the capital of the region. We got yeah. taken to Silvery Moon, uh, and we were put in jail for the night. <laughs> oh no. And then in the morning, we were given the option of either, like, either you can pay us 
which was probably like hundreds of thousands of gold pieces yeah. for the mounts that you freed. Or you can you can work off your sentence by helping us uh, solve a murder mystery. And this was the doppelgangers? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we had the doppelgangers be set up. Um, because the thing was like, they they basically they had a doppelganger in a cage, and they were like the this creature killed the local um extremely talented blacksmith in the city where the tournament was, and we just, like we already know they're guilty. We just need you to find evidence to support that they're guilty. So it's less of a it's less of a execution and more of a murder trial. Oh, God. Um. So we went back to the city in the tournament. We did some investigating. Um, we met a dumb, nice NPC named Emiriel, who was like the, I think, a baker's apprentice or something. Just kept getting into, just kept <laughs> getting attacked by orcs. <laughs> um, in investigating, we found that there was some intrigue going on with the, with the apprentice of the blacksmith, apparently having done. Uh, contract work on the side for a local uh, paramilitary organization, the New Moon Federation. Huh. Um, and because I think it's relevant to the setting, yeah. um, our our ranger uh, was actually a uh, member of the Lord's Alliance, which oh. the New Moon Federation greatly hates. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're like, uh, New Moon Federation is probably not above ground are above board here. So we had that. We found there was a weird tower in the city that we didn't want to investigate because we were level four. Yeah. Um, and we got enough evidence to point out that, like, yeah, the apprentice probably did kill the blacksmith, but also the New Moon Federation is also um, suspect in this murder trial. Like, why not murder the most talented blacksmith in the area to stop anyone else from getting magical weapons besides you? Yeah. So we had our culprit. Uh, we went to we went back to Silvery Moon, um, and we took out a whole bunch of orcs along the way, um, because the the DM until the last couple of arcs of this campaign very much so had orcs be the chaotic, evil, stereotypical villains for everything, um, which I personally did not and don't agree with. Yeah, I am not a big um, fan of that. But- yeah. Uh, on the road, we found Emiriel again and rescued him again. And this time we were like, look, we're more than halfway to Silvery Moon. Just come with us. We'll take you back in the morning. <laughs> and so we got there to this. We got the we got to the capital, presented our evidence. Um, we had the trial and everything such as it was. And we per- we tried to persuade the high mage and her council to... Uh, we tried to persuade the High Mage Junior Council to, like, keep the accused doppelganger alive. Like, you can ask them for information. Yeah. Like, maybe if you're not trying to, maybe if you're not trying to murder them, <laughs> they'll be more willing yeah, to, to, to talk, talk to you. talk to you and tell you things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then during the trial, a pair of uh, True Sight glasses were presented to confirm that, yes, this was, in fact, a doppelganger. And then it turned out that Emiriel apparently was also a doppelganger, and he was imprisoned, and we didn't feel great about that. Oh, <laughs> like, we all tried to plead for him to not be 
for him to for nothing to happen to him for the same reasons. Like, yeah. look, he hasn't tried to kill anyone. He's just a he's just he's, a little nerd. He's just a dude living his life. <laughs> yeah, he's just a dumb teen. Like, talk to him. He can be an intelligence agent or something. <laughs> um, but no joke, we never heard about them ever again. <laughs> um, and then after the trial, we were taken in to like talk to the silver talk to the small council about like what happens next and they basically offered us a job and uh at this was the point where i forgot to mention that um the hand of the high mage was i think either i think was a paladin but her name was larissa like 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 the unicorn yes and in this uh and in this conversation <laughs> um they revealed that in fact the three people on the small council were, in fact, the unicorn, giant elk, and tiger that we had freed from the gauntlet <laughs> as a test of character. <laughs> and at this point, like, the paladins player and I, who had been advocating most loudly for sapient creatures should not be enslaved, yeah. um, we were like, VINDICATION! <laughs> <laughs> like, ha! It's good to be good people! <laughs> Voila, this is why you aren't a dick. Yes. Um, And since we've been recording for a while, I'm going to try to speed run the rest of this. Um, Our next assignment was to clear out an an orc military camp that was in like the foothills of the region close by. We did it. I didn't like doing it because it was literally just like combat encounter after combat encounter. And like, what do we do with the bodies? And this is also, this is where I expressed that I was like, this is a lot and I feel bad about killing this many people of, like, yeah, like, I don't want the solution to things to just have to be kill everybody. Just be violence all the time, always. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I expressed that to the DM and my party. (laughs) Um, this is where, uh, actually also in a happy moment, um, (laughs) Fiala and the Paladin who were like, who were the closest out of the party. Um, the paladin was an Azamar sent from heaven and had never been hugged before. <laughs> and when she was having a hard time, Fiala gave her her first hug. <laughs> which was fun, and I'll send you the picture later. Um, That's and af- <laughs> it, it was It was good. It was like... That's- this is also where it was more obvious that like the paladin and I more so wanted to have character interactions yeah. and not exclusively combat, whereas... The rest of the party was more, more leaning towards combat and less interaction. Yeah. So you can probably see the signs. Yeah. The signs are coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next assignment was to uh, go rescue the town of Rivermoot, which was like four or five days away in game yeah. from Silvery Moon, um, because they were going to be attacked by orcs, which matched up with the vision that the paladin had gotten. Yeah. Um, so we went on a road trip. Um, it was a very long time. Like I think it I think it took us two sessions to handle the travel time. Jeez. <laughs> then we got to Rivermoot and we found that it was fine. No one had been attacked yet. There'd been a couple of people that had uh a couple of people had died in like um I guess sorties, but like the town was intact otherwise. Yeah. Um, 
so we decided that we were going to go, uh, but we'd heard that the invading forces were trying to come from a from a keep that was uh, further into, I think it was like the Witchwood, yeah. which was the forest close by. So we decided we were going to check that out. Um, on the way there, uh, Fiala actually got to have a character moment uh, and talked with a druid who was um, an adherent of Melora, and Fiala got a magic staff, like as a relic of Melora's. Um, I think it was called the Staff of the Seasons, like a homebrew item. Ooh. Super cool. We got to the keep, cleared out the keep. There were... There was like an orc wizard there who was doing like battle planning, so we got his we got his strategy maps, um, and then we ended up going onto this place called the Skull Gorge Bridge, which is, as you might think, a bridge over a gorge. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided the only way to keep the region safe from orcs for as long as possible was to destroy the bridge, which was the easiest point of access across the gorge from like the rest of the continent. So we destroyed it. We killed one of the green, well, we killed a green dragon that was one of the guards of this bridge and the orc forces that were on the other side. (laughs) Um, Hightailed it back to Rivermoot, had to persuade everybody to leave. And like, because, you know, some people were recognizing that they had to be evacuated yeah. and some people wanted to stay. And I yep. think Fiala said something like it, like, like if you care about river moot, like if you stay here, you are going to die. Yeah. But if you leave, you will be like, you can come back and rebuild this city someday. Yeah. And it took a bit, but everyone was eventually convinced. Um, we got everyone on the road and then we led the caravan of refugees Back to Silvery Moon, which took another three sessions. Oh, no. We had some, like, random plot points along the way. There were two Celestials that we loaned hit points to. Um, We found a batch of New Moon Federation mercenaries and then took the money that they were using to go, that they were intending to buy support for other mercenary groups to attack Silvery Moon. We used the money to by mercenaries of our own. Oh, <laughs> um, but like ones who were like nice. Yeah, and and not um just doing that for cash. <laughs> yeah. Um we ended up uh finding this like weird like lake resort village on the way and while we were there we had the first ever instance of an orc A not being murdered in the end of combat and B being persuaded to not attack silvery mood anymore Yay. and Took we a while, got yeah um and we persuaded him like yeah hey you want to go be a mercenary you can if you shoot a bunch of deer then people will give you cool weapons and armor and trade for them and stuff <laughs> um so he left yay and we also th- this is the part where we just kept we just kept getting plot hooks dumped on us yeah. because we also found this weird obelisk with a key like a floating obelisk. (laughs) And we picked up a key underneath it, got everyone to the city safely. And then in the city itself, we reported that like, you know, the, hey, people of Rivermoot are safe, but the orcs are probably coming. Here's battle plans. Yeah. We need to reinforce the city now. (laughs) Um, Also, the New Moon Federation was there 
with the high mage, like, and she was clearly, like, on their side, and we're like, well, great, can't trust her anymore. <laughs> um, and this is where we were given, like, two options for what we wanted to do next. We could go try to find the guardians, like, protector entities, something like that. But we had, but, like, we would have had to pass a trial to get it. Yeah. Um, and also... The, the key that we found was one of seven keys that were supposed to be used to open the chambers of the Eternal, which hold great power and potential ruin for the entire continent. Oh. <laughs> so we were like, well, we need to find the keys and we need to get the Guardians to stop the Orc invasion. And this is also the point where um, the Paladins player decided to leave the campaign, which sucked. <laughs> yeah. Now you're the only because, woman like, in the game. Yeah, because I was the only woman in the game and also the only one who cared about character yeah. <laughs> roleplay yeah. and stuff. And, like, something that I'd had was that I'd had, like, the Paladin subplot was that she had, she was kind of, like, on the material plane helping the party as, like, I guess remediation because apparently her ex-girlfriend had also been an angel in the armies of the gods of the far of the forgotten realms uh and her her ex-girlfriend had rebelled she got in trouble for not having stopped her oh, and was here on like penitence or something yeah. which like this was also the backstory that the paladin's player came up with so it wasn't like like this yeah. is something that she decided on yeah wasn't just thrust on and it. yeah and like her arc through the game had been that like trying to regain her sense of faith and belief in her god because like justin like why like why do they keep suspecting me of things that i did not do and yeah. there was a really rude cleric of her god who was one of those people like well you go go to heaven and be with and be with this and be with your god unless you do things exactly like i say and she was like I'm an Asimar. I've met God. <laughs> I know this is false, but he was really rude and she was doubting. And so for a couple of sessions, I had Fiala using her downtime during long rests because like elves only have to meditate for four hours and they got four hours free. Yeah. But I'd, I'd had Fiala making her paladin friend a new holy symbol. Like, hey, like you don't have a holy symbol for your God. Hopefully this will help you believe something like that. Yeah. And hadn't gotten a chance to give it to her in character before her player decided to leave. <laughs> and this was the point where, like, we had a little scene that was, like, trying, like, getting ready before the big quest to go find the guardians and stuff. Yeah. And the paladin got raptured back to heaven by force. Oh, no. Like, angels showed up to take her back to heaven court or whatever it was and... Fiala was able to pass off the the holy symbol at the last minute, but or she was gone. Yeah. And like out of character, we were try we were debating like should we f like let's try to find a fifth player just to finish out the finish out this plot at least, and then we can decide what to do. Yeah. And we went to the we went to the chambers for this trial. We did the first one. It was very frustrating. We were trying to find our way through a labyrinth with only audio cues. <laughs> Um, which I think I yeah, told you, you about, told me Mac. about that, and it, uh, and it sounded painful. Yeah, uh, it was not fun. But we'd finished the first trial, and we were theoretically going to start the second. 
But then we had a whole bunch of missed sessions from our DM moving and then some family emergencies and stuff. And so we're recording this on a Friday. This past Tuesday, so like four days ago, our DM messaged the entire group on our Discord channel and said, I'm no, like, I am leaving this campaign. And if, and if you all want to find another DM to run this game for you, I can send them the notes that I have. And yeah, and I don't think we're going to try to pick up this game again. Because <laughs> like, I, I had gotten to the point with this campaign where I just did not, I just didn't care. Yeah. I wasn't having a good time trying to go around and killing and killing every yeah, orc that we saw every orc and having 90% of your encounters just be orc time yeah yeah and like i had expressed concerns to to the entire group of us several times like because like what i personally enjoy is like character interactions and i like creative problem solving yeah like like with the bridge like we could have found something to blow it up but instead we we put our monk under the silence spell and turned him invisible. And and he had, like, a warhammer that he used to destroy the keystones that were holding the bridge up. <laughs> which is really yeah, that's fun. Awesome. Yeah. And and also because, like, by the... And by what ended up being the end of the campaign, like, we were facing, like, a giant invasion of orcs. Like, we're talking, like, giant war-scale combat yeah. here. And we were level, like, eight? Yeah. <laughs> Seven or eight? <laughs> um, which was, which to me at least felt, like, far beyond our scale. And also, like, the other players were, they were more receptive to roleplay and character interaction than the, than my previous campaign with Fiala was. Yeah. But they were still, like... They were still more like I don't care about interactions as much. I just I want to do I want to do cool stuff and hit things with a cool sword yeah. or cool arrows or cool punches. Yeah, <laughs> which like I don't fault them for. Yeah. It just didn't align as much. Yeah, like everybody has their own interest in a D and D game. Mm hmm. Just sometimes you don't align with the other members of your party, and it might be time to be like, ah, you guys can do what you want to do. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Yeah, and like I'd expressed to the to the DM a couple of times that like Fiala hadn't gotten to do like anything to advance to advance like Melora's will yeah. in the campaign. Like she'd gotten that vision of the candles at the beginning that was never followed up on, yeah. and she had gotten a request from the druid who helped her get her magic staff, like. Like you, sh I I would like you to go to the lighthouse in I think it was Sunderbar and like thank Melora for me at her special lighthouse. Yeah, but like nothing really in terms of like protecting the savagery of the wild and yeah. keep it from being taken to unacceptable extremes. Like there was nothing with that. Yeah, I I remember you you'd gotten like a that vision about maintaining the harmony at one point too, and just nothing mm -hmm. ever happened with it. Yeah, and basically, I don't know how, I don't know what I could have changed to make the last campaign more acceptable, or not acceptable, 
but to make it more fun for me. Yeah. But oh, also I remembered that one thing about Fiala's second campaign was that I was by by this point, like the, like her campaign, the second campaign ran from October of twenty twenty through through June of twenty twenty two. So like over like all, over a year and a yeah. half. Um, and I was the player by that point who had the most experience in different systems of tabletop, I will say. And so I was the most vocal about like, hey, everybody should be having a good time. And if you're not having a good time, or if something comes up, like all orcs are the enemy all the time, or like, or like a labyrinth where all you have are vocal cues. Like I was the most, I was the most loud and dedicated to play should be fun yeah everyone should be having fun yeah, if, you, if we're not having fun let's talk about how to make yeah, it fun if we're not having fun let's talk about how to make it fun together and then if that doesn't work out then we'll talk mm-hmm. about other options yeah and like i don't want to say that the other players were resistant to change but they but the the players for the ranger and uh monk and artificer had all been playing D for um for almost as long as i'd been alive oh, geez. so like we're talking like red book yeah. D play yeah. um so kind of like a new wave old wave kind of a thing yeah um but basically what that this what this has amounted to is that like i think i'm gonna table fiala for the time being like i would really like to play a campaign with Fiala someday where her faith can be prioritized and be vital to the success of the campaign with, with a party that is um, like with a party that is as like, I'm going to say like as cohesive as I personally would prefer. And I just don't know if and when that will happen. I hope it will happen soon. I hope so too. I I'm gonna I'm putting out some feelers to try to find an in-person game yeah. theoretically because and I'm asking my friends I know who play locally because I'd rather get a gr- I'd rather find a group from a personal recommendation than like just yeah, on just Facebook. Complete strangers, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm like I've I've done a little bit with Fiala outside of D and D um for some for the project that I think we are still keeping under wraps yeah <laughs> um but in that one in that one other system like it and uh, also credits to the two fellow players like I think in the one session that we had recorded. That we have recorded so far, like the two fellow players are me and Annie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Spoilers. Mac, Annie, and I did something um, that's in the works. But uh, like in that one interaction, in that one game that we had with the other system, like Fiala got more character interaction and discussion about faith than she did in an entire. Ye- 
year and a half plus campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess basically just goes to show you that like, it is very important to find a table and fellow players that match your own priorities. It's very important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I play in a lot of games, as I think a a lot of people who know me know. And this is known. This is well known. (laughs) And my favorite games are almost always with Dan and Key because we always blend well with each other. And because mm-hmm. you've you've known each yeah, other for God, how many years? Fifteen years. At this years. Point? And uh, yeah, that do it. <laughs> and literally, Dan can set us down in a session, and Key and I will spend our like we had a princess session last night, and mm-hmm. we literally mm-hmm. spent an hour and a half of the session mm-hmm. with uh, my character taking Key's character to see a horse that we'd sold. Uh, so that Tifa and Key's character could just sit and talk to the horse for a long time because we were leaving the town and wouldn't be coming back. And my character knew that that would be mm-hmm. important to Tifa. Yeah. yeah. And it just it took an hour and a half and it was amazing. And Dan gave us rewards for doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that kind of thing, like, engaging with the story, like, I don't think in either of the campaigns that I played with Fiala in, I don't think anyone besides maybe me would have gone back to talk to the horse. (laughs) And meanwhile, we knew it was an important thing because we were leaving and Tiefen loved that horse. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Because, like, both in and out of character, like, you talk about priorities and, like, what's important to your character. Yeah. And you need to do that regularly, too, because things might change to your character. Yes. Absolutely. You did mention earlier uh, yeah, shoot. that you weren't a big fan of um, like pre-written campaigns, and you said you were going to get back mm-hmm. to it later, and you never did. Oh, yeah. Basically, the, the pre-written adventures thing, the grievance that I have with it, is basically that like I think they are good. I think they can be good jumping off points. Yeah. Or like, like pre-written campaigns are especially good when you're doing like a game at a, a like a game at a convention or like adventurers league kind of yeah. a thing like it's good when you have to have it's good when you don't necessarily have the time available to just like complete sandbox it yeah um but part of the problem that i was running into was that like was like fiala's first campaign started with a pre-written adventure and even though I think the rest of it was was original content, like the Smurfs Castle, yeah. <laughs> um, her second campaign was, it, I think it, I think it was a lot of adventures that were written for like three point five or Pathfinder, that were then, um, that had then been converted to five E yeah. adventures, and it it was especially prominent when like the other players would be like, oh yeah, I've played this adventure before and name it. Oh, or like, oh yeah, I've I've run this adventure before. And That's so I can worst. confirm that I can confirm how that how the combats are being balanced is fair, that kind of a thing. Oh, and I like I said, I don't object to them in principle, yeah. but it felt it felt very it felt very restricting, especially when like I don't think Melora is one of the is one of the pantheon gods from the Forgotten Realms. I think she's from another setting. And 
that meant that like I was like, look, I need you, DM, I need you to come up with a way that I can interact with my character's god in this campaign. Yeah. And because there was no pre-written... I, I feel like in the Amen campaign, it was the adventures were used as a as a crutch, yeah. like when it came to how the plot was set up. Like I'm pretty sure most of the campaign was like the Curse of the Red Hand adventure or whatever it's yeah. called. But it's just like, like I, 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 yeah, I get what you're saying. Where it's like, um, it's good for us. It's too restrictive. Yeah, it's good at a starting <laughs> off point, or it's good if you want to use it as like a base. But you need to be able to build from that and mm -hmm. adjust accordingly and, and weave your characters in so it's not just, uh, we're following this. Yeah, there there needs to be flexibility so that... There needs to be flexibility so that if the players want to do something that is different in, a, in an adventure that perhaps, say, this adventure was written in the 90s and things need to be updated or are no longer acceptable... <laughs> Like, those, like, it, there needs to be the flexibility to to change and adapt as necessary, which I did not personally experience yeah. in Fiala's second campaign. I've played in good, uh, in, in people who took, took them and were able to, like, build around it and, like, make sure to adjust things so that it would fit us. And then I've also played in a different one, not even in 5e, it was for, um... Mutant City Blues, which is basically you're playing a, a, a cop who has a mutant power, uh, like X-Men mm -hmm. cops. And we were solving a murder. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, my character was had like a dog nose so she could smell anything. Uh, mm -hmm. And we were trying to track a guy. And I said, can I sniff him because he's running into the woods? So can I like bloodhound him? And the DM said, one sec, stared at the mod for like 10 minutes and then said, it doesn't say that you can use that power here, so no. And I was like, "What? But, what? He's running into the woods." Yeah, like that—that's the kind of thing. Like, I've probably mentioned this before, but it's like if your if your narrative cannot handle, in, if your narrative cannot handle um, changes or suggestions or working to the players' priorities and interests then your narrative should just be pros and you should not be doing this as yeah. a tabletop game. <laughs> like, in your instance, Mac, I bet it would be, I bet it would have been okay if, like, oh, no, like, sorry, you can't track this guy. He's yeah. got other, he's got someone else's clothes yeah, on. Yeah, or, or he climbed raining. into a car and the car drove off and is on a road, so you can't really differentiate the 5,000 cars. Yeah, but not... No, because it's not in the module. Yeah. And it ended up being the module said that you could use like I, like sight tracking because he nudged things down and it just hadn't mentioned scent tracking because it only gave like three examples. And I was like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I, I get what yeah. you're saying with the with mods. Mods need to be built upon, not just taken as is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, look, if I want to play a game that doesn't let me... that do If I want to play a game that doesn't let me, like, have flexibility in how the narrative progresses, I'll just go play a video yeah. game. <laughs> I can open up one of those anytime I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, has Fiala made it into anything else that you've done? Well, um, I, like, like I mentioned, um, Mac and Annie and I have a, we have a thing that is in the works, uh, that, uh, Fiala is involved in. Um, I don't think I'm at liberty at this time to say exactly, exactly what it is, but rest assured that when we are able to talk about it, I will be shouting about it from the rooftops because and, it's and a lot of fun. she's done a lot of cute art for it, too. Yes. So just just that I haven't tried to like reskin her as another tabletop character mostly because Fiala is very like to me she's very set in D and D, and I then because I've been more or less playing her continuously for the last like three and a half years, <laughs> um, I haven't been in a game to put her like in a different setting or a different system. <laughs> Maybe after we finish Heroes, I'll run Midwinter for you guys. Midwinter. I don't know what Midwinter is, oh, but sure. Uh, Midwinter is one of my other games. It actually... I'll, I'll talk to you later. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's okay, yeah, yeah. Is there any relevant media? Like, what would Fiala's Pokemon team be? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, another thing about me is that I do also love... I love Pokemon very much. I mean, for God's sake, the fir- the fir- my first OC that I ever talked about on this show, the first one I ever made, was a self-insert Pokemon character. <laughs> so, way back in episode one, if anyone wants to hear me interview myself, <laughs> which is a lot less fun than you think it is. <laughs> um, but I did set I did set up a uh, Pokemon team for Fiala. Um, I think she would have a Chespin as her starter, and the rest of her team would be a Fletchling, a Ralts, a Galarian Ponyta, a Choodle, and a Deerling. <laughs> um, all of which I will send you yeah. pictures of Mac, but suffice it to say... Deerling is, is, hmm? is like the ultimate Fiala Pokemon in my mind. Yeah, because like, they're all... They're all vaguely, like, grass, water, forest types, that kind of a thing. And they're all also pretty common. So, like, ones that ones that a hick from the backwaters of Oakhurst could, uh, could find and uh, capture pretty easily. <laughs> um, also, because music is very important yes. to me, um, I have a... I have a... I have had a playlist for Fiala for a very long time. I've had Fiala's playlist going for a very long time. And the songs on it, I would say, are, like, mostly in the vein of, like, like hopeful folk and alt. Yeah. Like, folk and alternative music. Like, I have a couple of songs that I remember most well that, like, stand out the most. And it is, um... Uh, there is a song by Coldplay called Up With The Birds, which is, which which to me is very, like, emblematic of Fiala's, like, journey, personally and as a character and stuff. There's a song called Unless by Hocktail, which is, um, which is also a lot of fun. Um, and then the last one that I remember is, uh, the song Hello God by Dolly Parton. (laughs) Because look, the <laughs> let me let me find the lyrics. Like the lyrics are like, 
hello god are you out there are you can you hear me are you listening anymore (laughs) um this whole this old world has gone to pieces can we fix it is there time (laughs) we fight and kill each other in your name defending you do you love some more than others we're so lost and confused and we beseech you in the name of all that's true. Please forgive us for we know well what we do. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, this is a Fiala yes. song. Thank you, Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember like uh, it was over character music that we started talking more. Was it? I forget. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it because I remember like the first time I think we started talking more because like I'd mentioned Clara's playlist and then we started discussing our, our, our RPG playlists. And, uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it kind of, uh, and then it expanded from there to like discussing Christmas songs and what ones don't get annoying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. It's like music, music and tabletop games can bring people yeah. together. But yeah, I think that's, um, everything that I had at least for right now. Oh, last, last thing, I promise. Yes. Um, so the i actually have found echoes of fiala in uh two characters one of which is the fact that my my favorite cousin um who yes. my my favorite cousin has started playing dungeons and dragons within the last within the last 6 months i think it's her i think she's playing with her group from world of warcraft that uh is also doing a D campaign on the side mm-hmm. and Remember how I said that Fiala is a is a red haired, uh, curly haired, freckled, uh, wood yeah. elf, <laughs> nature cleric. <laughs> well, my cousin's character is a curly haired, red headed, freckled fawn druid, <laughs> <laughs> and the and like I got to help walk my cousin through her like making her first character, and I was like. Our characters are like our characters are so similar. I love this. And uh, the other thing was that I was thinking about it last night, and um, I am actually also currently playing another uh, vaguely redheaded, strawberry blonde, auburn kind of uh, character who is also associated with nature, and also recently got a cool, a cool magic, magic staff. staff. Yes, associated with with her with her family and her and the divine powers or whatever that be and it's my character from uh my game that i'm doing with mac who is burnett (laughs) and i was like like you know that meme about like oh who are you i'm you but stronger (laughs) it's like that's fiala and burnett it's like who are you i'm you but your family is alive and your table is better (laughs) Everybody actually likes roleplay in that game. Yup. <laughs> but yeah, and I I do... We've been recording for an hour and 20 minutes, so I'm going to say that is truly, truly it. But if anyone wants to talk to me about Fiala, hit me up, because I I love her, and I want her to... I, I want to play her again someday in, in an environment where she can grow and prosper. I hope you get that. God, I hope so. Well... This is where I ask the final question. Why do you love Fiala so much? Because because I've spent I've spent so much of my I've spent almost five years working with and playing this character in various capacities and 
maybe unintentionally, there are a lot of similarities between myself and Fiala. And like I was just saying, like, I've put so much work into her backstory and like her internal life. And I'm just, I just really want there to be a situation, a, a setting, a game where, yeah, where this character can get the development that she deserves because I, I do feel like I owe it to this character yeah. to have to have a good story and like an action, maybe for once an actual concrete ending and not just a concrete ending and an arc and not and not being broken up with in terms of a campaign by the DM. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time that a campaign that I was in ended because the DM broke up with us, I'd have two nickels. This is a lot. Which isn't weird, but it's weird that it happened <laughs> twice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love Fiala. I want her to have good things. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you so much, Mac, for being the guest host for episode 100. I appreciated Absolutely. not having to talk to myself about it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for talking about Fiala. Well, you're welcome. And... Um, I love her. I love her too. I want. I want to hug her and and talk to her. Again. <laughs> I that God willing, it will happen again sometime soon. Um, and because you're the guest, technically speaking, um, where would you like to be found on the internet? And what do you have that you want to shout out and or promote? I'm Mac. You can find me on Twitter at m a q u e k e n z i e McKenzie. Uh, you can also find me over on CRC Podcasts. That's a Charlie Romeo Charlie Podcasts uh, on Twitter or uh, crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay, uh, where I am one of the hosts for I Will Fight You, Jim Jammer, where I play Cacophony, and uh, on Date Me Damn It, where I uh, where I take Annie and Kit through terrible dating sims that I'm playing. Um, you can also actually commission me on coffee kofi however it's pronounced i've never learned and uh on there you can commission me to write terrible smut for you <laughs> uh it is designed to be terrible uh do not expect quality <laughs> i just appreciate I that so much <laughs> okay tom for sees is a part of the corner podcast network they can be found through Acast and your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. This podcast is partly recorded on the ancestral lands of the Kiakapui, Ka, Osage, and the Ocheti Shukawan, Oyate. If you would like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, uh, we do have our own Discord server, and uh, there should be a permit invite up on our Twitters, but if it's not there, just let one us know and we will invite you. Um, and I am always looking for guests to talk about their original characters on the show, so if you or someone you know is interested, uh, feel free to drop me a line and we can talk about getting you on the show. Um, I do also have a Google form. Uh, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account that just covers stuff like availability and like content warnings or whatever. And as with all podcasts, it is super helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice because it helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, sincerely, thank you all for listening. This has been the Wayward OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay.
it's it's real weird hearing (laughs) hearing the intro that i have at this point memorized coming out of someone else's mouth (laughs) 